and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masechah Chagiga, daf Yud Gimel, page 13. Well, just like yesterday's daf, today's daf deals with a topic that we're not really supposed to be learning, uh, the Masa Merkava, which is uh, the beginning of Sefer Yechazgel. And yet, the whole daf and part of tomorrow's daf actually deals with deep diving into Masa Merkava and going through many of the psukim there and trying to explain it. And so again, we see sort of this paradox between the Gemara telling us, well, starting with the Mishnah at least, that these are things we can't learn, but at the same time wanting to preserve the traditions around it and some of the learning around it. Um, And so I find it puzzling uh, that it's like a secret, but it's not really a secret. Um, It's an interesting question. I wonder how much of it is like, you know, this is a cautionary tale. You know, this is not for public consumption. We're not teaching this from, you know, the sermon pulpit in shul every week type of thing. But that doesn't mean that really, literally nobody should ever learn it. Uh, you know, I, I think that some of what happens on the staff and we're about to delve into this um, kind of gives that indication that, you know, if you are of the really, really elite crew, then maybe it's not, cra- not crazy for you to be, you know, exposed to this. And so this is exactly what happens, right? It says, Lomas um, The Gemara quotes, I'm here on um, an Aleph, um, the Gemara quotes the Mishnah, right, that says, you don't expound upon the Masa Merkava even to one individual, which certainly makes it sound like you shouldn't be doing this at all, not just not preaching it from the pulpit. Tani Rabbi Chia, Aval Mosrin Lo Rashi Prakim. So, so Rabbi Chia says, but you can you can give over broad outlines, right? As opposed to all of the details of the of the metaphysics here. You can give over, you can teach, um, you know, general outlines. And then the implication is, you know, and he can fill in the rest on his own if if one would be capable to do such a thing. And then Rabbi Zera says, no, 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 you can't, um, you can't even transmit, you know, which means here really to teach, right, to give over the outlines, except to the person who's the Avbeitin, who's already, you know, uh, an exceptional individual in a position of authority. And likewise, anybody whose heart inside of him is worried, right, that he's um, worried about his sins, he's worried about his future, I guess that's future, you know, in the metaphysical plane, and so there is a like a little bit of leeway to give to give some to teach, you know, what is Masa Merkava to again very select individuals, not just an individual. Um, and then there are those who who will re reread this text to say that specifically the Avbeitin is one whose heart within him is concerned, is worried. As to, uh, it's not that one whose heart is concerned. But the Avbeitin is such a person, and that even I would say limits the potential audience here even more narrowly, right? Because it's all the Avbeitin, not the Avbeitin plus anybody who's in this category. Um, and then Rabbi Ami tells us here is the five ways that we know somebody is suitable to receive this these kinds of secrets. Ami Rabbi Ami, Amosrin Sitre Torah, El Lamisha Yesh Bochamisha Dvarim. These are the five things. Um, 
So here we go. What is the Sar Chamishim, the captain of captain of fifty, right? Which the Gemara is going to explain later, right? But basically, the idea is one has to be at least fifty years old, which in those days was a lot older than it is today. Nowadays, I feel like fifty is not so old, um, and perhaps you know, perhaps one has not achieved the gravitas, or maybe one has at the age of fifty, but but in an era with a much shorter lifespan then I think that we could say that, well, 50 is, a, a, you know, a, not a ripe old age, but certainly, certainly a, a point of maturity. Um, and then the the other details here, a person of favor, somebody who's a counselor who can give advice, I guess, somebody who's cunning, um, somebody who's a charmer, and somebody who's an enchanter. And all of this, this whole list of, of details is from Yeshayahu. Um it's a verse, right? Meaning that these the these five things are all found amongst uh as character traits rather in Yeshayahu Parakimel verse Kimel three three. And Rabbi Ami says Rabbi Ami Amos read Torah Lagoy and we've this is a famous again like a little nugget of Torah that's stuck here uh, amid everything else that the words of the Torah are not to to, are not to be taught to a non-Jew, and why not? Um, that God did not deal with. It doesn't say God; it says He, but it's referring to God. Has not dealt with any nation, and for His rules, they have not known them. It's a verse from Tehillim, um, and it's an interesting, interesting discussion that we're not going to have right now. How it is that this ends up being uh, a teachable moment on that point in the middle of Masa Merkava, right? Meaning it's not talking about Masa Merkava in that line. It's talking about, or or maybe that's a debate, right? But really, it seems just to be a matter of, you know, don't teach anything Torah to non-Jews. And we've seen some discussion of that long, long ago. Maybe even when it was like Brachot. Um, no, I mm, remember, Yordana, we had a Gemara's about somebody who's a heretic and who is delving into the secrets of Greek philosophy and we say, well, that person it should not be getting taught Torah because they're going to mess it all up. So, but that's not the discussion here. It's just one little line here. Again, it's the name of in the name of Rabbi Ami. We've got the one statement of Rabbi Ami and the second statement of Rabbi Ami. But it's still like a the tip of an iceberg that's really, really buried here. Okay, the Gemara goes on, and this is the part that I really wanted to talk about. The rest is just the lead in. Amrle Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Yochanan says to Rabbi Lazar, come and I will teach you Maser Barakava. Wait, what did we just learn? Everybody says you can't teach it. You should not teach it. You can only teach it to an Avbeitin. What's going on here? Amarle lo kashai. So Rabbi Lazar says back, I'm not old enough. Right? And how old he is, you know, again, is it a ma- simply a matter of being 50? It seems not. Right? It seems to be that he's not, he feels that he needs to be significantly older, not just reaching the ripe old age of 50. Um, Kikash, and then he gets older. He he ages, meaning he becomes an elderly person. And then Rabbi Yochanan, who's the person who offered to teach him, uh, passes away. So meaning, now it seems that Rabbi Lazar has lost his chance. So Rabbi Asi says to Rabbi Lazar, come, I will teach you Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi 
said, if I had been meritorious, I would have learned it from Rabbi Yochanan, your teacher, maybe the teacher of Rabbi Asi to begin with, his point being, if the timing didn't work here, it must mean that I'm not supposed to be learning this at all. Which, again, I find to be really an interesting approach, as opposed to saying, um, you know, this is this is Torah and I must learn it. As opposed to saying, ooh, here's my powers of curiosity. I want to know this secret matter that, that we're not supposed to learn. He backs off. He's not rushing to learn it, which I think, you know, it, it's an it, who doesn't run to learn? Like, it's not, it's, he's not saying I'm, it's too hard. He's saying I shouldn't be the person to be taught this. And I feel like there's some recognition here that there is some, I don't know what, like danger or risk, something involved in engaging in this material where the Torah itself, or the mission in this case, says not to learn it. Yeah, I agree. It's really interesting to see sort of someone say like, no, nah, this is my limit. This is really actually something I shouldn't be learning. Um, because generally the Gemars we see is where somebody really pushes to gain knowledge. And I think this should give us pause to think about maybe we aren't entitled to know everything or to learn everything. And, you know, that there are some things that only a group of very special people sort of have the emotional capacity. I don't think it's even just the intellectual capacity. And we'll see a little bit more about this uh, on tomorrow's staff. I'm, I'm not going to give away coming attractions. <laughs> but the idea that sort of like we can be exposed to knowledge that isn't necessarily healthy for us. Um, and I think he sort of here is just accepting like, okay, my teacher died. I just wasn't meant to learn this. And that's not a typical attitude that we've seen so far um, on the DAP itself. I feel like, you know, it's a recognition that sometimes you learn something that shakes your world, that rocks your world in such a way that you can never be the same again. And, you know, Again, we're not delving into Masa Merkava. We're talking about the teaching of Masa Merkava. Can you do it? Can you not? And so we can't really comment on what does it mean to learn Masa Merkava. But at the same time, it's very clear from not just this passage, meaning read the rest of the daf, right? And there's a lot of indication that that there's something different enough in the nature of this particular material that it can leave people, you know, changed in a way that might not be good. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to move on to a different aspect that appears here on the DAF, which is specifically about uh, Sefer Yechezkel itself. And there's the following uh, sort of two interesting stories here. I'm a Rav Yehuda. Um, so Rav Yehuda says there is a man who's remembered for good, and his name was Hananya ben Chizkiah. Ilmalehu, right? And so it says, was it not for him? The book of Yechazkel would have been hidden, right? Or put away. Like, think about the word um, uh, Geniza. So that, that's the same word that it comes from, like the Cairo Geniza. It would have been hidden away. Because the words of Sefer Yechazkel basically contradicts the words of the Torah. Now, the Mepharshim explained what does that mean? Then in the last few chapters of Yechazkel, remember, Masa Merkava that we're talking about is the beginning of Yechazkel. Now we're focusing on the end of Yechezkel, contains halachot that don't seem to necessarily agree with some of the mitzvot as they're presented in the five books, in the, in the, in the first five books of, of Tanakh. Ma'asa, so what did Hananiah ben Chizkiah do? Halulo shlosh meot garvei shemen. 
right? They brought him up 300 barrels of oil, right? So presumably either for some type of light or to eat. And he sat in an upper chamber and he explained it. So in other words, Hananiah ben Chizkiah came and there was this problem. Either this was a Messoah that was lost or in future generations, people became more puzzled by the end of Yechezkel. And he comes along and he is able to basically reconcile it so that the book of Yechezkel does not need to be nignaz. It doesn't need to be hidden. Now, this is a fascinating discussion because it wasn't a question of should it be part of Tanakh? We see those discussions in other parts of the Gemara. You know, maybe Shirashirim shouldn't have been part of the canon. Maybe Kohelet shouldn't have been part of the canon. No one is saying here that Yechezkel shouldn't be part of the canon, but it's more saying that maybe it can't be learned well enough, right? Um, or it's not being understood um, in a way uh, that it should be accessible to the public. And so instead we have this Hananiah bin Chizkiah who comes and he makes it not necessarily accessible that everybody should learn it, um, but more that he was able to explain it. Um, and I think the other piece here is again, that it's it's highlighting that Sefer Yechezkel itself seems to be a difficult Sefer, right? That you have the beginning Master Merkava, you have the end, which like, look at this language here. So Trin Divrei Torah. Right. It, 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 it contradicts the words of Torah. And therefore, the, the Gemara is saying, like through the story, we know it's part of Tanakh. But the question is, what should the accessibility is be? Um, and, you know, it's essentially it's a question of censorship. Right. Should it be censored or not censored? And ultimately, we'd say, no, we've figured out how to solve it. It's not going to be censored. Then the Gemara goes on with another story. Tanarabanan. So there was another story embodying a Tinok, which I, I, I think they just mean here, somebody who was young, right? Who was reading Yechezkel in his house with his teacher and he understood the concept of Chashmal, which and you're going to talk about in a second. Chashmal is our modern Hebrew word for electricity. It's a word that appears in Yechezkel that is difficult to understand. And he was able to understand it. And what happened? Fire came out of the Chashmal and actually burned him. And again, they thought to sort of hide away to censor the book of Yechezkel. He said, if, if this youth was wise, are all people wise enough to understand this book, right? So very interesting. So in other words, it seems to be somehow that the story, I think at least, is chronological, right? Hanania ben Chizkiah comes. I think it's also interesting that his name, I didn't. I meant to mention this before, Chizkiah Yechezkel. So is it like he somehow is related to Yechezkel? I thought that was very interesting as well. It's the same shorish of his name. You know, he comes, he's able to explain it. It's no longer a censored book. And then we have this story where there's this young person who comes he explains another aspect of it, but he sort of, what does that mean? Does that mean physically this actually happened? Is it a mental state that happened, right? What exactly happened? And then Hananiah comes at the end to say, Im chachamim heim, right? So what exactly does this mean, right? If this use happened to be wise, are all people wise enough, uh, uh, you know, to understand this? Right. And so I think what he's trying to say is, is like, look, if this kid, if this Katan, if this Tino, right, uh, was able to understand this, right, we shouldn't worry about this, right? We know that there are going to be other Chachamim who are wise enough 
to understand this. And I think he's sort of trying to give a warning here against censorship. Like he's saying, the answer is not that it shouldn't be learned along. We have to trust that there is the right Chachamim to actually learn this. I don't know. Do you understand that last line differently, Anne? Um, I, so I hadn't taken it that far in my thinking, but I, I find it a, to be a very interesting, um, let's say, uh, extrapolating from this case to be a broader concept on uh, a broader comment on censorship, censorship altogether, right? Um, and the fact is, the fact, the, the this idea of the three hundred barrels of light, right, seems to be acceptable, right? Like in the end, meaning the critique of what happens to him. I, I don't know. I find it to be a very interesting story. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting story. And again, I think from a literary point of view, the fact that there is, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the name with Yechezkel and, and Chizkiah, um, you know, but I think what he's basically saying here at the end is, is that if this kid, you know, is a Chacham, right, you know, who, there are other Chachamim who are able to understand the book of Yechezkel. Like, yes, this bad thing happened to him, but we know people can understand this book. This book can stay accessible. Um, and then you sort of don't see any mention anymore about, uh, uh, about you know, censoring it, about making it nignaz, about putting it away somewhere. And in fact, what does the Gemara move to? And Anne, you're going to read this part. Then the Gemara moves to explaining my chashmal. What is the meaning of this word chashmal? which again is sort of this paradox that keeps occurring on this staff, which is we have information that seems to be somewhat dangerous or inaccessible or shouldn't be accessible to everybody. And yet we'll come and now the DAF is actually going to explain it. And so it keeps sort of like toggling back and forth between acknowledging like this may be difficult information or dangerous information, but yet we really want that information still recorded. Right. So I just now took another look at this phrasing at the, the end here of, you know, if he's wise, like, is everybody wise? Right. I think the point is like that language of Tinok, right? Meaning here we had somebody who was clearly not in the category of the people who were supposed to be appropriate to be learning Yechezkel to begin with. And so the fact that this person had this tragic, you know, um, end, let's say, from learning the book should not be a lesson about the book. It's a lesson about right. the person. Exactly. And I feel like maybe that's the key part here where he says like, so don't hide it away. Make sure that only the people who are suitable to be learning it are the ones learning it. Okay, chashmal. So first of all, we should note that chashmal, the modern term of electricity being chashmal is because of this verse, right? Like it's it's specifically about this, um, it's not clear exactly what's happening in in Yechezkel's vision, right? In terms of, he sees Masabrakavan, and the description there is exactly this question of like, you know, what's going on? There's something, what, sparking and fiery and, you know, exactly this, this, this description leads later people, right? When they're looking for words to, to give to the, the then newfound phenomenon of electricity, you know, what should it be for modern Hebrew? It wasn't so new by the time they're coming to modern Hebrew. And they say, oh, let's go find that word from Yechezkel Chashmal. So what is it, right? My Chashmal, Amar Behuda, Chayot Eish Memalot. So the first comment here is that it's speaking animals of fire, meaning they are animals of fire or outlined in fire. And they were speaking. They could speak. So... What happens? There's a bright that says that sometimes they would they were quiet, and sometimes they would speak. 
חשות, ובשעה שאין הדיבור יוצא מפי הקדוש ברוך הוא במעלות, at times when God was silent, um, when God would speak, they would be silent, and when God would be silent, they would speak. And let's keep in mind that the description in the Navi Echeskel, in, in Ezekiel's prophecy here, is literally of the heavenly chariot, that is, so to speak, you know, the, the vehicle of the divine. So God is riding in his chariot, whatever that means, right? And he's speaking so that, of course, the animals are going to be quiet. The animals that are uh, decorated or, or carrying, however you look at it, the chariot itself, right? They are part of the Maser Merkava. Um, and that's, you know, that's exactly what's going on here. The next passage of the Gemara, Saitz Yechezkel, gives us this verse, the divine creatures ran and came back like the appearance of a flash of lightning, right? And then there's a whole question of what is what does this exactly mean? What does it mean that they ran and returned? What does it mean like the bazak, like the lightning? And But you come to understand that if they're talking about, um, well, the moment they're talking about lightning, then taking the word chashmal for electricity begins to make sense. And we begin to understand that whatever was happening, whatever was being seen in Yechezkel's vision, you know, it's, there's sparks and there's, you know, it's electric in, in that sense of something being, um, well, pyrotechnics, right? Like that's something that's going on. And then, and this is what the Gemara goes on to describe, um, including, you know, these creatures that were somehow carrying the chariot, which themselves seem to have been, I don't know if they were made of fire or outlined in fire. Again, like, we're not delving into the Master Markava itself right now. But the idea that what we have here is something that was so different that there's a word here that we don't have elsewhere, you know, that could then be appropriated, you know, generations upon generations later to mean electricity, which is also a phenomenon that is not known elsewhere, but does make sense in the context of electric of of lightning. Um, I think speaks to exactly what might have been um, both challenging and perhaps disturbing about the Masai Merkava to begin with, right? The idea that God is coming on a chariot that's pulled by animals, that then. What does that mean if we're talking about God with a body, God without a body? What does this mean? And now we could perhaps begin to understand, again, some of this challenge of Masa Merkava. So I don't know. I found this staff to be hard. I mean, it's, again, first of all, with the pace of the daf, and you really need to sit with a Tanakh to go through it. Um, I think I just kind of want to acknowledge that as we wrap this episode up. I've learned Yechezkel before, meaning the the psukim, the verses of the book. And I think that Yechezkel is hard, right? Like it's not just, it's not for nothing that they say don't learn it, right? It's it's a challenging book in part because of this, but the language is difficult. It's not just that the verses cited here are difficult to understand. The language of, I mean, it's not just the content that's difficult. The words themselves are a bit of a challenge. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.